Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard, inviting you again to study the Scriptures with us as we continue to probe the great questions of life and immortality, as Jesus announced it in his Gospel about the Kingdom of God. I wonder if you are one of those who finds Bible study tedious or difficult. Is it a kind of drudgery to have to study the Scriptures? Do you feel guilty if you don't? These are points of view that are widely held, even in the church-going public in America. Well, I have good news for you. The Bible becomes an interesting book when you understand it. And to understand it, you need certain keys. These keys are not always readily available. For example, the fact that Jesus was a Jew means that his teaching must be understood in the light of its first-century Palestinian Jewish background. The Bible is not a 20th-century American book, Jesus' ways of thinking, his basic terminology, his key ideas, his central concerns and themes are Jewish to the core. They're deeply rooted in the soil of the Hebrew Bible, what we mistakenly call the Old Testament. Now, 77% of our Bibles involve that section which is written in Hebrew, the Old Testament. It's in the Old Testament that the roots of Jesus' ideas are found. And so if we fail in our understanding of the Hebrew roots of Jesus' teaching, we're likely to misunderstand a great deal of what he said. And at that point, the Bible can become confusing, even depressing. It is not uncommon to hear people say, I find the Bible a very complex and difficult book, and so I just put my faith in God, but I don't attempt to read the Bible for myself. Now, it's our point of view on these programs that such an attitude is quite unnecessary. It's possible to read the Bible with delight. You remember the famous saying of David in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love your instruction! How I love your written word, that is! How I delight in it! You'll find that exclamation of joy over the Scriptures in Psalm 119, verse 97. In that same Psalm, in verse 18, David said, Open my eyes! so that I may see wonderful things out of your scriptures, your instruction book. David was obviously enchanted, delighted with his Bible reading. Now, I wondered for many years how that could be. I myself sensed a certain lack from my own upbringing. I didn't feel that I was in tune with the words of scripture. I seemed not to be tracking with that kind of delight over the Bible. I can honestly say that I have found keys which have made Bible study a delight. One of those keys is the simple fact that the Bible is indeed a Hebrew book and must be read in the light of its Hebrew background. Well, you may say, I'm just a person with limited resources and limited time. How can I possibly attain that kind of background? The fortunate thing is that a very few simple basic keys can open up the world of the Bible for you in a marvelous way. In order to resonate with the teaching of Jesus, and I have to say that the teaching of Jesus is where every Christian needs to start, one must understand what was driving Jesus in his great mission and ministry. And the answer to that question is found in a key verse in Luke 4, verse 43. Jesus there said the following words, I must proclaim the gospel or good news about the kingdom of God, to the other cities also, that's the reason why God commissioned me. Luke 4, verse 43. Now, in order to understand Jesus, it is obvious 
that we must understand his basic purpose statement given so lucidly in that verse that I just quoted, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom of God to the other cities also. That's the reason why God sent me. Well, what in the world, you may say, is the kingdom of God? And why was the preaching of the kingdom of God such a driving force in the ministry of Jesus himself? The answer to that question, again, is not complicated. The kingdom of God is the objective of the Christian faith. Now, there are sometimes cases when unlearning something is as valuable as learning something new. In order to relate to the kingdom of God, it's necessary to give up a popular misunderstanding about the objective of Christianity. If you'll examine the teaching of Jesus, you will find that he never said, if you follow me, I will take you to heaven, or give you heaven, or you'll go to heaven when you die. Such language is quite foreign to the words of Jesus. What Jesus did say was this, If you follow me, I will give you a place in my future kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. He didn't say, Seek heaven, as it were some place far removed from this planet. In fact, Jesus made very plain statements about the aim and objective of the Christian life. In Matthew 5, verse 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek. That's to say, the cultivation of meekness as a quality of character is something to be highly recommended. And why was that? Well, the meek are going to inherit the earth. They're going to possess the earth. They're going to take charge of the earth, own the earth, if you like. And he was referring there to the future kingdom of God. In the famous Beatitudes, those statements beginning with the phrase, Blessed are, found in the fifth chapter of Matthew, there are a series of sayings there which tell us what the objective of the Christian faith is. On the one hand, it's to obtain the kingdom of heaven. And parallel to that, in verse 5 of Matthew 5, it's to inherit or possess or gain ownership of the world. Now, that's quite a statement. Can you imagine owning the world, possessing continents, being in charge of cities? You see, this idea that the object of Christian faith is to somehow disappear to realms beyond the skies is absolutely foreign to the teaching of Jesus, and it's confusing to imagine such a thing. What we don't want to do when we read the Bible is to read our own ideas into the text of Scripture in order to enjoy hearing what Jesus says to delight in his teaching. We want to relate to him on his own terms. We want to make every effort to forget our own presuppositions our own prejudices, our own traditions, and to relate honestly and in a straightforward way to Jesus' agenda, his teachings, his promises. So there's a verse to ponder for the next few days or so. Blessed are the meek, they're going to inherit the earth. Now that statement, of course, is about as Jewish as you can get. When Jesus made that celebrated utterance, Blessed are the meek, they're going to have the earth as their possession, he was quoting a well-known phrase from Psalm 37 in the Hebrew Bible. His audience knew well what that entailed. That, in fact, was the objective that had been laid before all the people of God, all the people of Israel, for centuries. It involved the very national hope of Israel itself, the inheritance of the earth. There's nothing at all, you see, about disappearing to a super-celestial region removed from the planet 
No, the Hebrew Bible, and Jesus, we remember, was a Jew to the core. The Hebrew Bible and Jesus, as the prototype Christian, was deeply interested in the destiny and the fate of this planet, of this earth. And so, as the Messiah, the one appointed to take charge of the world, and this will be, of course, at his second coming, he offered his followers a share in that possession of the earth. In Psalm 37, verse 9, we find the verses that Jesus quoted. I read as follows. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord God will inherit the earth. In verse 10, For yet a little while, and the wicked will not be. Indeed, you may search diligently for his place, but it will not exist. And then in verse 11, these words cited so appropriately by Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 5, but the meek are going to possess the earth, and they will delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And then again in verse 22, those who are blessed by the Lord are going to possess the earth. Those that are cursed will be cut off. And also in verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see this happen. Now, I'm sure you hear there the striking difference between how the psalmist speaks and how we popularly speak in Christian parlance. Our talk about going to heaven really has no firm foundation in the Scriptures. That's proven easily by Jesus' statement, his plain statement of the objective of the Christian life. Blessed are the meek, it is going to be the earth that they inherit. Matthew 5, verse 5. So here's a key that can open up the text of Scripture for you in a wonderful way. When Jesus announced the kingdom of God, he was announcing the great land promise that had been made to the faithful in the Hebrew Bible. The kingdom of God of the future is simply another way of speaking of the land promised to Abraham in the great Abrahamic covenant announced by God to the patriarch in Genesis 12. Every mention of inheritance in the New Testament refers to that great promise of the land or the kingdom of God in the future. And so a Christian is by definition one who is heir to that great inheritance of the kingdom of God on the earth in the future. Now try substituting that for the popular idea about disappearing to heaven and the Bible will become a book that is living and vibrant in a new way for you. If you read the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the earth, the inheritance, as alternative ways of speaking of the great goal, aim, and objective of the Christian faith, you'll see that that objective is held before the readers of the New Testament constantly. Every time you come to the promise of the inheritance of the earth, of the world, of the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, you are hearing mention of the gift of salvation in the future which God offers to you as one listening to his word. God, you see, is searching for those who will hear his message, the message that is, as it came from the lips of the Son of God, Jesus, who is the accredited representative of the Father. Jesus is the unique spokesman of the one God of Israel. Jesus bears the message of his Father, what's called the good news or gospel of God. 
and the gospel of God, as transmitted by Jesus, has to do with the gift of the earth, the gift of the land, the gift of the world, to come into your possession along with Jesus and all the faithful of all the ages at the time when Christ returns to this earth. That's the point of being a Christian. The New Testament documents are a training manual, if you like, for those who are attracted to Jesus by means of his great message and promise of the kingdom of God, the earth, in the future. Seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus said, and all these things will be added to you. Now, the Apostle Paul and all the other apostles who wrote the New Testament shared that great objective, that goal, that aim of inheriting the kingdom of God in the future when Jesus comes back. Paul used different terminology sometimes. But once you see the meaning of those alternative phrases, you will understand that Paul was driving in exactly the same direction as Jesus. Now, here's an example of what I mean. In Romans 2, verse 7, Paul speaks of those who by patient continuance in well-doing are seeking for glory and honor and immortality. To them, that text says, God will grant the life of the age to come, or as many of our Bibles have it, eternal life, more strictly and accurately translated as the life of the age to come, that's to say the life of the future kingdom of God on the earth. If you would like to have a tape of the program you've been listening to or a free book on the kingdom of God, we'd be most happy to send these to you. Meanwhile, join us again as we continue to probe Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.